Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. If you want to partner with us, or if you're interested in more information, head over to brave.church to find out more. There you'll see resources to help kids learn more about Jesus, discussion guides for this talk, as well as ways our Brave Compassion team is responding to needs in this season. To catch the full Brave release, including worship and other updates, check out this talk on YouTube. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Last weekend, we started our series in the book of Jonah. Jonah was called to preach in the great city of Nineveh, but he refused to go. He fled from God. God sent a storm to reclaim him, and then the sailors threw Jonah overboard out into the ocean, and there he was swallowed by a great fish. You know, Jonah's situation seemed hopeless. And what a wild ride he had in the belly of that fish. What's the wildest ride that you've ever been on? You know, one summer, uh, not far from here, uh, my friends and I, we were at the Great America theme park, and we went on this ride called The Edge. Now, The Edge is a free fall ride. Four people at a time are seated, and you're taking up this tall kind of open elevator shaft, and then your chairs are eased out, and you're suspended in thin air, when suddenly, without warning, you're dropped in a free fall. You drop 60 feet in less than two seconds. Have you ever been on a ride and thought, I hope this thing doesn't break down on me, because that's what I was thinking. My friends and I go up the elevator about 70 feet in the air, Our seats from which we were dangling from ease out over the edge and suddenly were dropped. It was all good until about 50 feet into the free fall when the ride malfunctions and we're stuck suspended in the air with another row of four people dangling up above us. We could see their feet. It was a suspenseful moment. What if their car drops on ours? What if the brakes go out on our car and we drop? I hope I never have to go through that again. But as scary as that ride was, it was nothing like Jonah's. Jonah's ride was much more horrifying. He's just been swallowed by a large fish. Now allow your imagination to wander for a moment. It's pitch black in there. There are no lights in there. There is something extra frightening about being in a pitch black place. Jonah probably felt claustrophobic. He had to be disoriented and wondering, where am I? And if he was in a large fish, it would have been cold because a fish's body temperature is the same as the water. If he was in a whale, it would have been warm. I've never been swallowed by either. I know these things because I read. There would have been the sloshing of gastric juices washing over his face as it burned his eyes and his ears and his nose. There was this rank smell of undigested food all around him. There was no air-conditioned submarine ride at Disneyland. Every time that fish would turn and dive, there was no warning. As the fish started down, it was like a roller coaster down and then up again and then side by side. He would have undoubtedly become nauseated. This was a hellish experience. He's trapped and no one's looking for him. How did Jonah in this condition or of complete despair find his way out? Let's pick up reading in Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. 
From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me, and all of your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank deep, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, O Lord, my God, you brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Think about this. He's in there for three days and nights before he prays. Jonah not only ran from God in disobedience, but he was so upset, he refused to pray for three days and three nights. Have you ever been so hurt, so offended, so bitter at God that you said, I'm not talking to God anymore? Ever been there? Sometimes it's the big things and sometimes it's the little things in life that make us so frustrated that we think, why even bother to pray? That's clearly how Jonah felt. Jonah was a prophet, a person who could hear God so clearly, and yet was so exasperated, so discouraged that he thought, why even bother? Maybe none of us would say it out loud, but I think all of us have had this thought, hey God, can I get a little help down here? Look at verse 2. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me, I called to you from the world of the dead and the Lord, you heard me. Jonah says, I call to you from the world of the dead. Tell me that, it doesn't sound like a hopeless place. Other translations use the word sheol or hell. It means a place completely separated from God. Let's be honest, no one says this, but who needs a God who doesn't do what I want, when I want, the way I want? I mean, that's where most of us start in our relationship with God. I'm okay with God as long as he agrees with me, as long as he does what I want him to do when I need him to do it. Jonah was so angry, he endured three nights of misery before praying. It says in verse 5, he says, The gulfing waters threatened me and the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped all around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. When you listen to that, you think, this is what it looks like to know you're drowning. To be dying and to be very far away from the place where you need to be. The terror of being underwater is vivid, and yet Jonah is representing something we've all experienced, a spiritual condition of being at our bottom, a condition of feeling buried in the deep. Some of you are in this situation right now. You're feeling buried while so being so far away from what you aspire to or where you need to be. And it seems like there's 
There's no way I can get out of this place that I'm in. I don't know your particular situation, but you do. Jonah was in a hopeless state, and yet before our very eyes, we will see Jonah begin to rise and defy gravity, because no matter what you're going through, there is always hope. Verse 6, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. There's, there's this hope that cries out of him from this, his deepest place of pain. And he shouts his praise in verse 9. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. How could that happen? How does that happen? How does a person come back from the depths of pain? How does one turn their, their discouragement into shouts of grateful praise? How do you defy all that is trying to pull you down under right now? I want you to hear these words. There is always hope. When hope began to rise in Jonah, his emotions and his view of his situation began to change. Hope changes everything. This week I was praying about my own needs and my, my own struggles that I'm going through right now. And I was asking God, can I get there? Can I overcome my fear? Can I hope again? And I read a post from a friend of mine that read, it never occurred to David to measure himself. He measured Goliath and he measured God. That's what gave David the hope and the faith to show up and to face his Goliath. You know, the great thing about hope is it can come even in the darkest places of our lives. Here's what you need to know about hope. Hope is not like having a talent someone else has, but you don't. It's not like, I wish I could have hope like they do. Gosh, they just have all that hope. I so admire them. Hope isn't some mystical thing that's outside of your reach. Hope and hopelessness are caused by what I believe the most. Hope isn't like they were born with all that athletic ability and I wasn't, I'm just not athletic, or they just, they have musical talent and I don't. No, hope and hopelessness are caused by what I believe. Hope is a belief that no matter what happens in my life, that God will work through all things for my good. Jonah began to experience hope when he began to shout out grateful praises to God. And his hope in God is what buoyed him up. And out of the deepest waters of his life, there is always hope. Today we're going to talk about, about the one thing we must do to find hope. The one thing that is always the right thing to do. When life is hard and you're feeling hopeless, call out to God. Jonah says in verse 2, he said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help. He says, I felt like I was going to die. Ever felt that way? I was as good as dead. I have no answers except to call out to God. Tracy, my wife, and I, we've been struggling through MS and its slow progression against her body for 16 long years now. 
You know, it's one thing to lose a spouse. It's another to watch them slowly decline over time. It's grueling. And we've shared many long talks together, many conversations with God about her suffering. We no sooner find a, a new normal than that new normal is worse than the one before. And each time we assess our situation and we look for God and we call out to God, Why? Because our focus and our trust is in God. So we call out to God. We believe he makes a difference. Let me be clear so that no one thinks what I'm about to say is insensitive or uh, out of touch. My, My father was crippled at age 27. I put on his socks every morning until I was a freshman in high school. My youngest son has cerebral palsy. My wife has MS. So I do understand If you go all victim, if you get all melancholy about it and go, I wonder if there is a God, you will not be an overcomer, you will be overcome. I'm sorry, but whining isn't winning. I've never found the answers to life in pity and discouragement. I've never found the answers to life in bitterness over my circumstances. The first step to finding hope again in whatever you're going through is to take all of your pain in your life and call out to God. And when you're in deep yogurt, you know, deep stuff, you've got to do something. You have to call out to God. Now, I'm not talking about a nice, quiet, cathedral whisper prayer. I mean, you're raising your voice and you're calling out to God. In Jeremiah 29, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Hebrews says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And Romans 10, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You have to say in the midst of all your stuff, you you know what? stuff is, right? Stuff happens. You have to say, I've had enough of this stuff and I'm going to call out to God. You have to look for him. You have to seek him. You have to make a choice to reach out to him. But what if I don't have enough faith? What if if I've lost hope? It sounds like you're telling me to have faith or hope when I have none right now. Not really. I'm telling you to doubt your doubts. I'm telling you to trust in God more than trusting in how you're feeling right now. When you're going through distress, your feelings are the least reliable. Feelings tend to be more intuitive and helpful when your life is balanced. Feelings unchecked can lead you down a very dark hole of depression and discouragement. Sometimes trusting in God and looking to God begins with doubting your own doubts enough to call out to God. And the great thing is, anybody can do this. In James chapter 4, it says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Have you ever called out to God and, and, and something unexplainable happened? A lot of you have. And those of you who have, you know what I'm talking about. It's pretty useless to stay down on yourself. To say, I'm so down. 
I wish I could believe in God more, but I just don't know if God is real, so I guess I'll just drown down here in my circumstances. If you're waiting for a lightning bolt, you may miss what God has already sent to you. There was once a man who lived in a two-story house, and the house was near a river, and unfortunately the river began to flood. Well, as the river rose, warnings were being sent out via emergency text alerts, the radio, TV. Large jeeps were driving through the area to evacuate people. And as a jeep drove by this man's house, he was told, Sir, you're in danger. Uh, Your life is at stake. You must evacuate. Get in the jeep. No, the man replied from his doorstep. I'll be okay. God will take care of me. Well, the water continued to rise, and soon the man was on the second floor of his house, and a boat was going through the area, arrived at the man's house. Rescuers made every effort to convince the man to take action so that his life would be saved. Sir, you are in danger. Your life is at stake. You will drown in this flood. He says, no worries. Everything will be okay. God will take care of me. The flood continued to rise. The man went to the roof to avoid the rising water. A helicopter pilot sees him on the top of the roof, hovers above the man, using a megaphone. The pilot tries to convince the man to grab a hold of the rope ladder, which was dangling above his head. Sir, you're in danger. The flood is still rising. You will drown if you don't grab the rope ladder. Let us help you. No, he says, I'll be fine. God will take care of me. The floodwaters rise and overwhelm the man, and he drowns. He's at the pearly gates, and the man says to God, You didn't take care of me, God. You weren't there for me. You let me die. Where were you when I needed you most? To which God replies, I sent you a jeep. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. What more could I have done? God is with us, but we have to see him in what he sends to us. When you call out to God, I believe the universe shifts to make room for God's answer to our prayers. You can find God in your suffering. You know, Jonah is a lot like us and a lot like Job. Remember the story of Job? When you read the book of Job, you'll see chapter after chapter of Job ranting and raving and cursing the day that he was born and questioning God's wisdom and his power because of all the pain that he was in. But when you get to the end of the book, after Job has let all that out, God commends Job for his faith. What? That's right. Job gets a commendation for his faith and his righteousness. Why? Because he doubted his doubts. He wrestled with them. He openly wrestled with all of the issues that he had in the very presence of God. You see, he did it all while he was calling out to God. Like Jonah, he was praying. And as confused as Job got about his life and his suffering, Job never stopped calling out to God. Do you see that? The first step to your comeback, to rising up out of your particular situation, is to call out to God. I know some of you are struggling. You're deep down in your despair. You're depressed. You're discouraged and disillusioned. But you have noticed, but have you noticed that in the midst of your stress and all of your struggles, 
that you really haven't been calling out to God much? You've not been dealing with with him face to face like Job. You've not been calling out to him in your distress. Instead, you've been doing what I call worrying in his direction. (laughs) That's not the same thing as calling out to God. Talking to others about God and what he you know, may or may not be doing is not the same thing as you calling out to God with real words from the depths of your heart. If you never call out, you can't feel all that's bottled up inside of you. Jonah knew God was somewhere in all of this. In verse 3, he says this, you hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Jonah says, I'm sinking into the heart of the seas. The heart of the seas was a figure of speech for the Hebrews at that time. It refers to a region where a person's sins are swallowed up out of the sight of God. Jonah feared that God had hurled him into the heart of the seas, the place where God discards everything that he never wants to see or remember again. Did you know that when we decide to trust in Jesus as our Savior, he forgives all of our sins? Guess what he does with them? Micah 7, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Jeremiah says, the Lord, I will forgive and forget their sins. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, Jonah feels in this moment that God has forgotten him, that his sins and his failures are beyond God's grace and God's forgiveness. That's a very natural and human response. Where When you're in the weakest moments of your life, you wonder, is God done with me? Have I somehow disqualified myself? Have I done something so bad that I've lost God's favor and I can't come back from it? That's what Jonah was feeling. He says in verse 4, Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? You know, often when we feel the depths of our own struggles, we feel abandoned by God. It's true. Do you ever just wonder where God's at? Maybe you want to go to the temple and look for him. Like in the movies, you know that moment when the main character in the movie finds this large old downtown cathedral, goes in among the rows of all those wooden pews and sits down there troubled and downcast and they're uncertain about their future and what to do. Jonah says, I long to go into your temple into your presence again. I remember times in my own life when I didn't feel close to God. But when I was in the church and I was in the gathering, I went there expecting to find Him. There's something about that. I wanted to return to God. You can return to God. Yes, God is speaking to you. It's time to return to Him. There is always hope. There is always hope because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The belly of the fish 
also represents the worst of this dark world that's filled with sin, the sins that stifle and smother all of our lives. Sin leaves us miserable and sick in a dark place of despair. We're filled with hopelessness and hurt and pain. And for some, this leads us to wonder, is God really with me? Jesus went to the belly of the fish so that none of us would ever need to be trapped in that kind of darkness again. He says in Matthew chapter 12, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus went to the darkest place. He visited death for us that we could experience eternal life. Sometimes I think the messaging of the true gospel has gotten lost. He really does forgive you. We think the goal of Christians is to somehow get rid of all of our pain and all of our suffering by following Jesus so well, being so perfect, that we get God's unique blessings and favor and we have no more struggles. So as a Christian, it's said directly or indirectly, you know, you're not supposed to get depressed. You're not supposed to have financial problems. You're not supposed to get sick and die. We want heaven on earth, but that isn't reality. Paul said our hope is not in this life. Jesus said that in this life, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome this world of sin. Our hopelessness brings us to God when we call out to Him. Our hopelessness, it humbles us. Our hopelessness allows God to remind us that that with Him, there's always hope. Whatever your circumstance, there is always hope. Salvation comes from the Lord. Let your needs bring you to God. Let your needs humble you. Let your needs cause you to pray. I want to pray with you. And for those of you that have never entrusted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do that. For those of you that are going through difficult times in your life right now, I want to pray with you too. Father in heaven, God, you see my life. You see my sins. You see my failures. And Lord, I want my sins cast into the, into the seas. I want them forgotten. I want them to be remembered no more. And so I trust in what you did three days in death in a tomb, but then you were resurrected and you brought to us the free gift of eternal life, forgiveness of all of our sins. So Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for those that are so struggling that they're, they're muted in their prayer life. There's a disconnect in their prayer life right now, and they just need to open up. They need to call out to you. They need to share their feelings and their heart with you, Lord God. You are a loving Father. You are Emmanuel, God, who is with us. And I pray for those that are listening and watching that they will experience firsthand your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church Podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. 
For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.